You know, yesterday, Amy asked me, how are you going to be able to get up there and preach? Because I had done this evil, awful thing at home. No, because I was sick. Okay? That's, usually that's the case, but yesterday it wasn't the case. Um, she said, how are you going to be able to get up there and preach? Because, I, I mean, I was, y'all don't want to hear this, but, you know, it was just, it was, couldn't, I mean, it was terrible. But guess what? Unbeknownst to me, I just said, I don't know, but it'll happen. And today, <laughs> now, I, you know, this afternoon, I'm going to, you know, get it, but that's okay. Um, I got good news and bad news. We'll start with bad news because everybody likes to end on a high note, right? <coughs> Excuse me. The bad news is is the uh, the wages of sin is death. And when I say that, I say that to you. Thank you, sir. I say that because we all sin, right? We all fall short of the glory of God, and we've all done something. We all still do something. We all live in some kind of sin today. Am I right or am I wrong? Now, you know, there's the two different kinds of sin. There's the sin of commission and omission, you know, the things that we that we do that we know we shouldn't do, but we do them anyway. Is that kind of what Paul said? And the things that we want to do, we don't do. Okay, that's the commission and omission. I want to talk about the sin of omission, the things that we should do that we don't do. Okay? Um, but in that, with the ways of sin being death, that means that everything that we've done that's wrong or the things that we haven't done that we know we should do, that is that wedge that drives us between that drives between us and God. Okay? That separates us from God. That's that that's death. Okay? Death is the eternal separation from God. And as long as we're living in that sin, then we've been separated from God. Okay? So the things that we've done that cause us to be separated from God. I'm going to go ahead and share, I'm going to go ahead and give you the good news. Because the things that, that separate us from God, the good news is, is that even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so the things that we, that we mess up and do, or the things that we mess up and don't do, that are good, then there is hope. There is redemption. Okay, and that's what the whole plan is, is, is God's redemption to us. Right? So, even though we're stuck and we're trapped in our sin, we're, we're just, we just keep doing the same things over and over again. Even though we've, we've tried to, to not do it. Even though we've tried to, to do the things that we know we should do and we don't do them. There's hope. Okay? We don't have to walk around living with that sin as a burden on us anymore because of that gift of God that is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means if you accept and believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will be saved, saved from God's wrath. The wrath of God will not come upon you. You will not be eternally separated from God because of that. All right? So as we get started, I want to do this. I want us, I want us to bow our heads, and I want to reach out an invitation. Okay? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never 
fully understood what it means to be saved. If you don't know whether or not you're saved. If you've ever questioned that, well, I think I thought I did one time, but I'm not sure now. Okay? And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come to the front of the, to the room. Okay, we've got people in place standing in the back of the sanctuary that are ready, willing, and able, empowered by the Spirit of God to lead you to Jesus Christ and to know that you can be forever with God. So right now, if there's anybody in here that has any question, any doubt, doubt is not a bad thing. It's, that's why we come and gather together so that we can take away any doubt. And, and lift up and support each other and, and let them know that, that what you have in you can never be taken from you. So if, you, if there's any doubt of anybody, salvation in this room right now, then I pray that you would either come to the front or go to the back, either way, and receive the gift of God that is eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anybody in this room right now that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anybody in this room right now that, that has any questions or doubts in their minds and in their hearts, Father, I pray that you move them through your spirit to have those questions answered, to come to receive you as their Lord and their Savior, to be the Lord of their life. We hand them over to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Moving forward. Praise God. Please take your Bibles. And turn to John chapter 20. Now we went ahead and, you know, I know Brother David did the same thing last week with the invitation at the beginning. I, whew, that's been laid on my heart for a long time. And I love that. But. Based on the reactions that were given, I'm going to take it that we are all believers. We have all accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Or we're just not moved to come to know him today. Either way, for the Christian sitting in the crowd. It's Sunday, but Monday's coming. You've all heard the, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. The Easter sermon, you know, it's Friday, but Easter, but Sunday's coming. God gave me, I, he, I never title sermons, okay, maybe once or twice, but he gave me this title, and it just flowed from there, okay? It's Sunday now, but Monday's coming, okay? Once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we're going to get to the scripture. I know y'all are thinking, well, Brother Dixon. Once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then what? Oh, I'm saved. <laughs> I, 
I, don't, I, I, I will be with Jesus forever. Now, amen. That's exactly what that means. You are saved. But that's not the end of it. There's work to be done. Okay? God loved you enough to die for you. Right? He loved me enough to die for me. Do I have to do anything in return for that? Yes, I do. In John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening on the first day of the week, that's the same Sunday that he rose from the dead, y'all. Okay? The first resurrection Sunday, that evening, is when this takes place. And when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Okay? Jesus is just, just resurrected from the dead. They couldn't believe it when they went and saw the empty tomb. They couldn't believe it. But now here they are, they're, they're in hiding because there's still doubt. Okay? Just like a, there's still doubt. So they're hiding in the room. They're, they're in their mourning. Okay? Because that's basically what they would do. Is somebody died, you mourn for the death of someone. Okay? So they didn't believe that he was resurrected or they wouldn't be hidden in the room mourning over it, afraid for their lives. They would know that, hey, the one that you know, we're, we're worried about, the one that we're upset that he's passed away, he's alive. So nothing can hurt us. If the one that we hang out with can come back from the dead, if he can overcome death, hell, and the grave, then he can... He could keep me safe. All right? That first Sunday afternoon, Jesus said, Peace be with you. A common greeting from, for Jewish people. Shalom, peace be with you. Right? But when he came, when he walked into the room and said, Peace be with you, he said, You know what? Y'all can settle down now. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Peace be with you. Okay? When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Okay? When he said, it is finished, that meant that all of the redemptive plan of God was done. You know what it is finished means in the Greek term for it is finished? Paid in full. So when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, the Greeks heard paid in full. That's what we need to hear. Paid in full. Everything that we've ever done has been paid in full. Anybody ever owed somebody something and you go paying on it and you're paying on it and, you pay, and then you get to that last one and you're like, I'm going to put a smiley face on that one. And you get in, you know, a letter in the mail that says paid in full. You don't owe that debt anymore. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said it is finished. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he reminded his disciples in the upper room that same afternoon of his resurrection, peace be with you. Paid in full. <clears throat> Verse 20. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. already told them peace be with you they doubted a little bit agreed well is it jesus or isn't it jesus so he had to he had to reiterate the peace be with you 
However, the peace be with you that they heard first was it is finished. Okay, you don't have to worry about it anymore. The second peace be with you represented a kingdom yet to come. The kingdom that he spent his entire life and ministry talking about. The kingdom of God, right? That whole temple that's in Ezekiel, okay? And Zechariah mentions it a little bit. It's that heavenly kingdom that's yet to come. The peace that's going to be there. It's a millennial reign kingdom that he's talking about when he says peace be with you the second time. It's a this peace is not going to leave or depart from you. This peace is going to be with you forever, and you will be mine, and you will be with me forever. Because he's already reminded them time and time again throughout his ministry that where I am, you will be also. So he says, peace be with you again. And he says, now here's the part where I'm, when I ask, now that I'm saved, what, what next? Is there anything that I have to do in return for what Jesus has done for me? Does everybody agree with the command that we have to go ye there, go ye therefore into all nations and make disciples of all my people? Is everybody in agreement that that is a command that God has given to everybody, including us? Has anybody ever wondered where and how we have the power to do that? We know the power comes from God. Twenty-one. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. What did the Father send Jesus to do? What did God the Father, you see all three working together right here. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three are working together right here in this little bitty piece of Scripture. What did God the Father send Jesus to do? To seek and to save those that are lost. To serve those who are hurting. Okay, when we get done with this, you're going to have a whole new aspect of you saw me hungry and you fed me. You saw me thirsty and you gave me something to drink. You saw me naked, and you gave me clothing. We're going to have a whole new outlook on that. Because Jesus even said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it to me. You've carried out my command. Okay, First John tells us that for this is the love of God, that you obey my commands. Okay? If you love God, then you will obey his commands. What are God's commands? Well... When he was asked that question, he said, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, then you will love your brother as yourself. In other words, you've received the gift of God. You have to share it. We have to share what we have. We have love for the Father, then we need to tell somebody about it. Anybody remember back when you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend when you were in school? 
man, and you'd sit on the phone, and you're like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Or what are you doing now? Well, I'm still watching TV. What are you doing now? Because you don't even talk. You love them so much you don't want to even, you know, you don't want to be apart from them. Okay? Your, your friends get, get upset, and they're like, that's all you talk about. You know? It, and it's getting on my nerves because that's all, you know, I'm trying to spend time with you, and all you talk about is, is him, or all you talk about is her. Okay? If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, then it should be on our hearts. It should be on our minds. It should be on our lips constantly. And everybody that we come into contact with should hear at least at some point in time how good God is. So as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. We're not just bound by what Jesus said to the disciples right then, okay? Because it he didn't just say it to them, but he also prayed to God the Father before he was crucified. Remember in that Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed? He prayed for our souls. He prayed, he said, and I'll read it to you. In John chapter 17, starting at verse 1, he says, it says, Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said. So when somebody stops and they lift their eyes to heaven and they start talking, they're talking to God, no doubt. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. As I was sent, I send you also. Glorify the son that he may glorify the father. So we're sent to do what? Number one, we're sent to glorify the Father. Then drop down to verse 4. It says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Paid in full, it is finished. Now, bounce over to uh, verse 17. Jesus says, sanctify them. He's still talking to God the Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify means what? Set them apart. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they, may, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. In case you're up wondering, well, he's talking about the disciples. All he's talking about are the twelve that were eleven that we're going to be with him. But all he's talking about are those that are in the Bible now. No, no. He goes further and he says, I do not ask on, the, on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word. Every person that's ever heard the gospel, Jesus has prayed for. That we would accept his word, that we would continue on with the message that Jesus brought. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We are supposed to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It gets better. Hold on, y'all. Verse 22 in chapter 20. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Does that mean that we can walk up and say, Jimmy, your sins are forgiven, and his sins are forgiven? Nope. It does not. Does it say, <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am, but I can't forgive your sins. So her sins are not forgiven. No, it does not. It doesn't mean that we can go and say, okay, yeah, you're, I, I forgive you, so you're forgiven. God forgives you. I forgive you, so God forgives you. That's, that's, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that, well, I'm not going to forgive Miss Anna, so God's not going to forgive Miss Anna. It doesn't say that. It, Jesus give, is giving the authority, giving every one of his believers the authority to declare their sins forgiven. So when someone comes to you or you go to someone and you present to them what Jesus has done, you give them that gift of God that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, when you give that to them and they accept that, then you, can, you have the authority by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to say your sins are forgiven. And it actually means that their sins are forgiven. Not that you forgave their sins, but you can let them know for sure that your sins are forgiven. And it also gives us the authority when someone says, no, I don't really think I want to buy into what you're selling, to tell them that I'm sorry to tell you this, but your sins are not forgiven. Okay? we're sent. Jesus sent us. Just as the Father has sent me, He has sent you. And it's not... All right, we look at it this way. We have, our, we have missions, right? Before I say anything else, I am not knocking every, anything that's going on anywhere. Okay? I just want to explain something the way I interpret it. Okay? But we have all of our missions, okay? Our church has all these missions laid out that we do, right? Okay? But here's the whole... We have a mission. Our mission is a kingdom mission, God's kingdom. Our mission is the kingdom of God and sharing that with the world. Whether that be across the street or next door or the person sitting next to me in the pew while I'm at church. Okay? That's our mission. Our mission is the kingdom of God and what Jesus has done for us and how we can be with him forever. That's our mission. So when I say that, what I want to say is it's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. You understand what I'm trying to say? We know the mission. That's to share the, king, the kingdom of heaven. And God put ch the church in place to carry out that mission. That's why we have the church is to carry out what Jesus finished to bring it to completion and allow everyone who has an ear to hear and a heart to accept. But we don't always do that, do we? 
And if Jesus commanded us to, if he sent us, and we don't always go as we're sent, okay, then we're not doing something right, are we? James, uh, James chapter 4, verse 17 tells us, To him that knows the good that to do, but does it not, that is sin. Okay? So if we know that we're supposed to tell somebody about Jesus and we don't do it, what are we living in? Sorry about that. What are we living in? We're still committing that sin. Okay? So to bring it to light is to honor God. To realize that when we don't tell somebody about Jesus, that we're, you know, actually committing a sin, then we know what we need to do. Right? Is it easy? I know what you're thinking. How in the world, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, it's just this simple. How do I share the gospel? Has God ever done anything good in your life? You tell somebody that about something good God did in your life. And before you know it, the Holy Spirit takes over and you're jumping up and down and bouncing around telling them about how they can be saved. <laughs> okay? Because it's, it, it is led by the Holy Spirit. You are led by Jesus through the Holy Spirit to witness to anyone. And by the way, I know y'all are thinking, well, you've been doing some reading because you're a lot of doing a lot of Greek stuff. But in Greek, the word witness actually means to suffer. So you will be my witnesses. You will suffer for witnessing. When you tell somebody about Jesus, there's a price that comes with that. Jesus said what? He said, lay down your cross and follow me. Take up, lay down your cross. Take up your cross and follow me daily. What greater love has any man than he would lay down his life for his brother. Okay? There's sacrifices involved in witnessing to people. Okay? I get in trouble a lot at work. You know why? Because I'm talking to a lot of people. Well, I don't know how not to talk to people. But that, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I'm suffering for that, but, you know, I could eventually get fired, I guess. That wouldn't be good, would it? Amen, brother. But, you know, I'm not trying to say that you're going to be whipped and beaten and tortured and have to hide in, you know, in these caves and in these rooms just like they do in Israel right now. But at the same time, there are trials and tribulations that you have to go through because you witness. Okay? One of the biggest things that I struggle with, one of my biggest sufferings for sharing Christ is walking away from a conversation with somebody denies him. And you walk away heartbroken because you've shared with them the best thing that you can share with them. And they don't, they don't want to accept it at that time. And you pray, just, just give us a little more time. Another opportunity and a little more time. But I don't always do that. Okay, I'm not, not going to stand here and try to say that every person that I encounter in my life, I, I witness to them. Because I don't. Matter of fact, I'm going to share a story with you. Yeah, i got enough left to keep going. I'm going to share a story with you. There was a, a man that I worked with. Um, I had had several conversations with him. 
very good conversations with him. Every time that he would mention Jesus, you know, he always referred, he referred to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the whole package as the good Lord. Okay? I'm going to hear about that. If my lips are chapped, and I'm... He would refer to God as the good Lord. Okay? Well, you know, and I had several conversations with him. And I never took the time to just bluntly ask him where his heart was. What his eternal destination would be. Did he... I never said... Brother, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I took it for granted through the answers that he gave me that I knew that he was a brother, that he was a believer in Christ. I took that for granted. Okay? Then all of a sudden he got sick at work on one Thursday. They said, man, you need, he was, you know, throwing up blood. And they said, you need to go to the emergency room. So he went to the emergency room on Thursday before the sun came up on Saturday, he had passed away. Now, all of a sudden, what I thought was a brother in Christ has now become a burden on me as to, well, I don't know for sure. I never, I never asked him. Not that it matters you know, to me, but I'd, it matters to God. It matters to him. That I never took the time to, you know, make sure that he understood what he was, what he believed. I never shared the gospel. I just talked about God. Does that make sense? And there's a, there's a big difference between uh, agreeing with what God says and agreeing with who God is and believing in what God says and who God is. So, I beat myself up for a for a while, okay? And that's all I could think about. But in the meantime, God was working, okay? Because that opened up a big witnessing field for me at work. People I had tried to get talked to, people that I had tried to, to explain things to, now all of a sudden they're coming to me. Man, can you believe that he died? I can't, I mean, I just can't believe. I can't get over the fact that he died. I'll tell you what I told them. There are two things in life that you can expect. You can go to the bathroom, and you're going to die. Okay? It's just a fact of life. So don't be, you know, why are you so surprised that, that he died? It's going to happen to you as well. And then that opens up the whole witnessing program. I mean, it's just, I mean, there are people that, you know, and instead of me having to go to them, they're coming to me, and God's working. God is working. And he's working, and he's working, but I still don't know about Lamar. I'm still struggling with the fact that I never took the time to witness to Lamar. So I go to the, uh, when we, at the funeral, I'm talking to his uncle, and he's, uh, you know, Lamar was an, an older gentleman. Um, he was 58, 59, I know you all say, that's not old. Sorry, I'm 23, and I just, I'm just kidding, I'm 41. Um, so it's really not that far from me. So I'm talking to his uncle, and I'm like, look, you know, this has been just weighing me down. 
so you, you know, you're his uncle. What do you know about his relationship with God? And he said, I, you know, to tell you the truth, he said, I don't know. He said, I, you know, when we were younger, when he was little, you know, we had time together. And, you know, but as we grow older and, you know, start our own family, you know, I kind of lost touch with him and would see him, you know, just for a minute here and there. He said, I don't know. And he said, uh, he said, but I, pr- I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, I had the same concern. I walked away from a conversation with his uncle, the man's uncle. Okay? That's how close in relation this man was to him. I walked away from him. And I turned around, and the general manager of my shop was standing there. And he walked over to me and he said, Hey, man, I just uh, wanted to share something with you. I thought you might want to know. He said, Lamar came into my office uh, one day that passed the week, the same week that he passed away. He said he came into my office and was telling me about his mother who they had to put into a nursing home or assisted living. If it wasn't a nursing home, it was just assisted living. But he, they had to put her into a, an assisted living. And he was talking about how he may need some time here and there to be able to, you know, help her get settled in. And he said, well, that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. He said, can I pray with you about that? And they prayed about it. And he said, I, you know, he said, I appreciate you praying with me, you know, about my mom. And John, my general manager, he said, uh, he said, something just, you know, was tugging on me to do it. He said, so I just bluntly asked him. He said, uh, what about your relationship with God? How is, how is that? Do you know that you know that you're saved? And Lamar told him, he, or he said that Lamar had told him, he said, well, I'm not the best Christian that there is. Sound familiar? Okay. I'm not the best Christian that, there, that I could be, but when I was 17 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I about fell over. Because <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know anything that had been going on. He didn't know where my heart was. But God works in so many mysterious ways that, because this man hasn't been the general manager of my shop for long. But he put him in there, and wow. I mean, it's, so, but anyway. So, um, that's kind of where all this is coming from, is from an ex- personal experience. And it's, it's God has shown me how important it is to tell somebody about the love of Christ, to share the gospel with somebody. Let me ask you this. Does everybody in here know that everybody in their household is saved? Does everybody in here know? You don't have to. I don't want any hands. I just want you to think about this. Everyone living in your house, they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they've trusted their life to him and given their life to him. And they, you know that if something happens to them, that they will enter into an eternal rest with Jesus. How about everybody that you work with, that you're in close contact with every day? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And if something happened to them, that they would enter into an eternal rest with Jesus. Part of that peace that Jesus leaves with us is knowing where our loved ones go when they pass away. Part of the peace that he leaves is not just for this person and that person, but it can be a peace for ourselves. And knowing that when we go to a funeral, we can walk in with a smile on our face 
rather than with tears pouring out of our eyes. There's knowing that, yeah, I might not get to see them anymore for now, but praise God, they're okay. You'll see them one day. All right. But we don't always do that, right? Peter, poor Peter. So if we continue on, you get to verse, uh, chapter 21. I'm just going to paraphrase this because I'm ready to do something else for a minute. So Peter goes and uh, Jesus breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? And if you flip back over through the other accounts in the Gospels, he tells him, stay in the city until you've received the power from on high. Okay? Stay in the city until you've received the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that comes in Acts. First Acts, right? So he says, stay in the city. But not, that's not what the disciples did. Because if you get, go down to Chug, chapter 21, it says that Jesus appeared to them again by the Sea of Tiberias. Well, if you've got that map in the back of your Bible, you can look it up. But Jerusalem's here. The Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee, is way up here. Okay, they didn't stay in the city. They went back to where they came from. So I'm a Christian, what now? Well, it's Sunday now, but Monday's coming. So you know what you got to do. They went back to the Sea of Tiberias. And while they were there, guess what Peter decides to do? The same thing we all do. We go back to the old lifestyle. We come in, we get filled up, we get all pumped up, we're ready to, yeah, we're going to go tell somebody about Jesus. And then somebody comes in front of us, we're like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And we don't do it. Well, that's exactly what God told us to do. And what did Peter do? He went fishing. We all go fishing, right? We all backslide, whatever you want to call it. We all go back to doing the things that we did before. We all sink into that low of, hey, maybe he went fishing because... He, well, that's where I met him. Maybe he went back to where he was when he met him. Uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't ex say why. It just says that he went fishing. The way I see it, he went fishing because he was running from God again. He, didn't, he still wasn't sure that Jesus was there. He still wasn't sure how Jesus could help him. He still wasn't sure that Jesus was able to do the things that he was before. But as they're fishing, what happened? They didn't catch any fish. And Jesus yells out from the, sea, from the shore and he says, hey... Y'all don't have any fish, do you? No, sir. It's the same thing he told them to do before. What? Throw your net on the right side of the boat. They cast their net on the right side of the boat. 153 fish, they couldn't even pull them in. Soon as, as soon as Peter saw that, as soon as it happened, Peter said, when he said, it's the Lord. Okay, it says the disciple that Jesus loved said, it is the Lord. Peter immediately covered himself and dove in and swam to the shore. And when he got there, they sat and they had breakfast. And then Jesus said three mighty things to him. The same thing that Jesus would say to each one of us if we were to go back out fishing. And not trusting in him. Do you love me? He said, do you love me more than these? You know I do. Do you love God? You know I do. Keep my commands. Remember that? The love for God is that you keep his commands. 
1 John 5, 4. He asked Peter, do you love me more than these? You know I do. Tend my sheep. He asked him again, do you love me? You know I do. Watch over my sheep. Do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. And tending my sheep is spreading my gospel. If you love me, then take care of my sheep. God created each one of us in his own image. Whether we keep that image or we stain that image, God created each and every person in his own image. He wants each and every person to have the opportunity and the ability to accept him for who he is. And it's our job to do it. Any questions? Would y'all please come to the front? Okay, any questions on what we're supposed to do? The command is to go therefore into all nations and make disciples. In other words, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. Spread those out and pass those. I'm going to pass something out. And this may be totally wrong, but I hope you get it. Okay? So as, as they pass these out, I want to make sure everybody gets one of whatever it is they're passing out. Because a lot of the times we have a hard time with doing the things that we're supposed to do. We... We set out to do it, and then when we get there, we just, we shy away from it, you know? And we say, well, maybe, just maybe, I wasn't supposed to talk to that person. Because for an instant, that's what went through my mind with Lamar, was, well, he wasn't mine to witness to. That was for somebody else, you know? You, you, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible, don't. Let it be somebody, don't put it on somebody else. Don't let it be somebody else's responsibility saying, oh, well, you know, mm, yeah, they're headed towards, uh, Mike just stepped in. They're headed towards Mike, so they'll, they'll you know, he'll get them. He, you know, he'll talk to them. Okay, everybody got one? Not yet. If you do not have one of the things that they just passed out, please say, I don't have one. Okay. Does anybody know what you're holding in your hand? Fishing, a uh, little fishing weight, right? Okay. And, you know, y'all know the story. When, it, when they were by the sea and Jesus said, you know, I'll make you fishers of men, you know, so follow me. Okay. That's not what this is about. One of the big reasons that we don't, witness when we should witness which is every time we encounter somebody that we don't know their eternal salvation okay when we don't if we don't know then we should witness okay one of the biggest reasons that we don't is why because we say well if i feel led to do it then i'll do it right okay right now you've all felt led 
okay? Because Jesus commanded us to do this. Jesus' command was to go, therefore, into all nations and make disciples. To go and spread the gospel. In Acts chapter 1 and 8, and I'm done. In Acts chapter 1 and 8, he said, you will receive power. You. Y'all get it? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. In other words, you've got the power. You have to use it. To not just to, I'll finish it out. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. I'm here to tell you the ends of the world are the person sitting next to you in the pew, the person sitting next to you in the car, the person sitting next to you at the dinner table, the person sitting next to you at McDonald's that's just eating alone at McDonald's. Or maybe they've got a group with them. Hey, there's an opportunity to share to more than one. But the ends of the world are just are, are right here in front of us. They're right there in front of us. Because you, if, if we don't take it seriously, if we don't take it seriously, then think about what somebody's going to have to go through just because we decided not to tell them about Jesus. Think about the eternal separation from God that somebody may have to go through just because we didn't take the two minutes that it takes to tell them that, hey, there's a God in heaven and he loves you. Father, I pray that God, I pray that, that we see your mission. That we understand that you have sent us. And that we have to live a life of being sent. So that we can go into the world. So that we can go into the workplace. So that we can go into our own homes. Father, where it can be the most difficult to witness. But we can go into our own homes our family members and share the wonderful work that you've done on the cross. God, we know that we have everything that we need to do it because your son has already prayed for us to do it. And anything that we ask in his name, it shall be given unto us. So if he asks it, Lord God, I know that it has to be given And we seek to glorify you through it. We seek to return your creation to you through it. God, help us to be obedient servants to you. God, I said that I trust you. I told you that I would trust you with my life.
I told you that I believe in you. Father, help me to be a witness for you. Help me to be a witness for you. Father, help everyone that's here to understand just how serious it is. We don't know when you're coming back. So help us to tell as many as we can between now and then so that you'll find us working when you come. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.